Hey, thanks for downloading our podcast, This House of Cards Podcast. This is our review for the fourth episode of the second season called Chapter 17. In this episode, we delve into uh, Claire's big reveal to the, the whole nation about her secret. And we also talk about how the device of separating characters and forcing them to deal with circumstances uh, on their own pans out for this episode. Anyway, uh, you can find us on Facebook, This House of Cards Podcast, and on iTunes. All right, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This House of Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast about the Netflix hit show House of Cards. My, uh, I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Tyler Moss. Oh, wait, I'm Chris Eastead. What, what? Hey, what's okay. up, dude? <laughs> Forgetting my own name, I guess, right now, so inundated with good TV, it's hard to, uh, to even keep track of the world around me, you know? Totally. Absolutely. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? What are you? You're probably not drinking this evening, right? I'm not drinking right now, actually. Yet, I will be soon. After after we finish this podcast, I'm going to go meet up with some friends to say farewell to one of my dear coworkers who is leaving town. So, no drink for me just yet. What are you drinking? I am drinking a old uh, homebrew beer. Oh, just uh, relaxing. Yeah, enjoying a nice nice evening at home. What kind of what kind of beer is it? It is just a pale ale. Cool. With some some orange peel, but it's good. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. No, it's classic. Classy and classic. Um, thank like you guys you. for... Oh, thank you, my friend. You're classy, too. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> uh, we are, of course, talking today about Chapter 17 in House of Cards. Um, a lot of great stuff to talk about here. Before we begin, a few quick notes. First of all, as always, check us out on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast. We really appreciate interacting with you guys, so feel free to jump around anytime. Of course, uh, you can also check us out on iTunes and leave us ratings, critiques, or reviews. And we, we take that all to heart. We try to make this the best thing we can. And uh, finally, um, I think after this, Chris and I have talked about it. I mean, we know so many people have been kind of binge-watching and, you know, are probably way far ahead of us. Well, Chris has already watched the whole season. I've only I've been watching episode by episode, so you're at least ahead of me. But to move a little bit faster, I think after this episode, we're going to start doing two episodes per podcast. So that way you just kind of know it's coming, and of course we'll put it in the episode title too. Um, yeah. Just get ready for that. Anyway, without further ado, let's dive into Chapter 17. Woo! Okay, of course, this is one of those episodes that like puts us immediately in the fray as we begin. Stuff is already going on that we don't know about, like... There's moving parts all around us. Of course, uh, we get in kind of enlightened immediately. The setting for this episode is that, you know, um, after watching last episode, the Senate has passed the, um, the budget deal, and now it needs to pass the House of Representatives. And so basically, Frank and Jackie and Remy are doing the same thing they did for the Senate, but this time for the House of Representatives, which is... Uh, a different beast. I mean, this is this time they're doing trying to woo the Democrats. Last time they were wooing the Republicans, the opposing party, and this time they're trying to woo their own people who feel like they're conceding too much. Right. So that's kind of the setting we're, we're stuck with here. And, of course, I think this is the first time we see Remy this season, uh, right outside Frank's door. Um, but you kind of get the feeling he's going to play a big role. He kind of always steps in when the power players are, are at play. Yeah. Um, 
he's hanging out outside of Frank's old office and is wants to be involved. And of course, uh, pretty quickly, Frank dumps him on top of Jackie to help her wrangle in the votes. Basically, um, right? I don't Jackie's know. got to do her whip job. Why do you, do you think that he just wanted to get rid of Remy, or do you think that he didn't necessarily trust? Um, or maybe he thought, ja- or did you think like he thought Jackie was too? Uh, maybe approach Soft. it too nicely. Yeah, that Remy would be like a little bit more willing to like wheel and deal and like offer money and kind of you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it could be a little combination of both. Like he wanted to pawn, uh, or he wanted to pawn Remy off a little bit because you know he doesn't trust him anyway. But he also maybe thinks Jackie could learn something from him. But then again, he knows that Jackie's got that killer instinct because well, she killed a lot of people. That's true. That's true. But maybe I think what do he. You think? I I think it probably is a little bit of both, and I think that you know Jackie hasn't entirely. I mean, she got the whip position, but she hasn't proven herself as like a you know in service to him yet to, to this point. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's gonna go with somebody who you know he can you know Remy. Even though they don't really seem to like each other, it doesn't ever seem to matter to Frank. It's more about if they have the same goals, then he knows that like right. he can trust. What can this person do for me? Exactly. I also love the line that like they were talking about Remy's watch, and he was talking about this old that he bought a more expensive watch and didn't have the, the crummy watch that Frank had given him before. When that he Frank gave him. him. Yeah, it was a little slight there, but it was a good one. Uh, on the meantime, we know that Claire is uh, in this intro scene. She's going to be interviewed. Well, her and Frank are, but and of Frank, course, yeah, initially. And uh, we kind of see her um, talking with that Connor guy. As he uh, she picks out her clothes and. It's also a little bit, um, I mean, it's kind of an intimate moment where she's like picking out clothes and trying them on and asking his opinion kind of, you know? Right. So it was once again making me wonder, like, are they going to have a thing? And, uh, of course, they kind of bring up the major, what I think is the major point of this episode, which is the child question that Claire's going to get asked in the interview. And right now, like at the beginning, they just kind of dismiss it like, oh, Claire says, I've been asked it before. It's no big deal. Yeah, so, she can handle that question. She's said it. She's answered it a million times. Mm-hmm. But this is CNN, and she's now the vice president's uh, wife. Might be a little tougher. Yeah, they might not take that. You know, let her off the hook. Simple uh, answer. Uh, let's start by talking about Frank's plot, and we'll kind of end with Claire and fit Lucas in there somewhere. <laughs> um, hmm. Okay, so Frank is trying to coerce the. Donald Blythe, who's the guy that he had kind of manipulated into coming in for the education bill, ultimately just to kind of throw him under the bus there. Right. So Donald Blythe kind of still holds a grudge from season one. Totally. Um, And he needs Donald Blythe's, uh, the progressive group that he kind of leads, he needs him to help corral some votes from that group. The super liberals. Mm Mm-hmm. And donald does not seem too willing to work with frank at the beginning i think he calls him fundamentally fundamentally deceptive which i think is a pretty adept um terminology to define frank wouldn't you agree right blythe sees i mean after that whole uh education bill fiasco uh donald blythe saw right through it for the most part and knows what happened and like you said, he holds a grudge against uh, Frank because he knows who he really is and how he plays his games. I know. You, you, like, you can't bullshit Donald Blythe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, well, hence when we get in this situation, like, it's 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 one of the more... Um, Blythe, because he's been burned before, I think, is could be 
uh, perceived as one of the more uh, not necessarily uh, um, uh, nemeses of of Frank, but definitely a good adversary for a momentary thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of a kind of the I'll explain later. Yang a little bit. Well, uh, so Frank receives uh, an envelope at his office with some white powder, which, of course, they're afraid is, you know, anthrax or something poisonous. And so the bio team's coming. Frank and Blythe get locked in the room together. And I think right. what I really quarantine. like about this interaction when they're under quarantine is that we see Frank, like, go through all these different strategies he has under his belt to try to coerce Donald. Like, we, he, you know, as time goes on, he, he really tries every tool he has in his tool belt. Right, right. I made notes about this. I mean, this is a device that's often used in storytelling. You take two um, characters who sit on opposite ends of anything, and you you have you physically force them to be together, like you're stuck in an elevator or you're quarantined, or you know, it's it's used in a lot of uh, um, storytelling uh, devices as a storytelling device. So. But by them being forced together, them sitting on opposite ends, even though they're in the same party, what you know naturally is going to happen is they're going to pick at each other and try to manipulate each other, or one's going to try to convince the other one to come to their side. It's going to go back and forth for a long time um, until they get tired, and in the process, they learn more information about each other, and ultimately, you find oftentimes that they'll come to some type of compromise, or they'll just be very... Um, content that they are, they see where each other is coming from, and it's a stalemate. But they're happy with it. They're, maybe they're not happy with it, but it's it's settled. That's what it's going to be, and they understand each other more. And that's exactly what happens here. Like you were saying, Frank tries every tool in his kit to try to get um, Blythe to uh, change his vote and convince his little mini caucus of super liberals to uh, change their votes, and he and Blythe won't budge. And even when we get to the part where we learn about Blythe's wife and Frank goes real low to try to play the uh, – well, can, I'll just go out and say it. We've, we, we discover that um, because – so because they're in quarantine, they can't communicate with their cell phones. They have to talk through the door with a, a, a satellite phone that the – or a walkie-talkie, excuse me, that the, uh, that, the, that the CDC has or whoever it's there to uh, get rid of this – or to – run the quarantine um and frank talks to claire and claire's you know they're doing the interview claire claire's like gonna do the interview anyway but then we hear Blythe's wife who is clearly has dementia and alzheimer's and doesn't know what's going on or who's with her at her house and it misremembers things about her husband even it's really depressing and sad Mm-hmm. And Frank sees a card there, and he wants to play that. And he tries to play. He's like, you know what? I'll give you $19 million for Alzheimer's. And Blythe is like, are you kidding me? You are the worst. Are and credit, you serious? Total credit to Blythe there, too, for like picking up on what Frank was doing. Because yes. I feel like – I loved it. And I think Good part of that Blythe. is because he, – part of that was because he was already paranoid about you know being with Frank and had been burned by him before. So he does pick on that up on that, um, which, which, yeah, is very impressive and you know, very commendable on his part. Um because, I mean, he could have made some deal to get some bill that was close to his heart pass, but he picked up on it and doesn't want to make the deal with Frank because he knows the budget deal is against his core beliefs. Right, um, right, yeah. And the, the other thing I, I would say is, and maybe it wouldn't have convinced Blythe, but the one tool that um, could have helped Frank, at least earlier on, that he doesn't use because it's not in his repertoire at all is 
a little bit of compassion, like genuine compassion or empathy for Blythe in a situation. He sees it as a bargaining chip when he could have well, just comforted, comforted him and maybe had an agreement later on or something. Well, I mean, and he tries that. They So they start by, you know, they take the jackets off and relax. And he pours them a glass of alcohol, trying to get them, you know, a little boozed up. And then he does try to, I mean, before he does the thing where he offers the funding for Alzheimer's, he he tries to seem like it's coming from a compassionate place. And I was going to ask, did you feel like that was authentic? I mean, we know it wasn't. But yeah, do you feel as far as, his, as far as his, like, um, pretending to be, did you feel like it came off as authentic much? Or do you I feel think, like, could you see through it? When I was first it? watching it, it seemed like I was like, oh, maybe he, you know, maybe he's, like, finally just not throwing in the towel, but just, you know, resting for a little bit and just talking man-to-man about, you know, the situations that they have. But once he whipped out the 19, I forget the number is, uh, for Alzheimer's research, that's when I was like, okay, he was BSing the whole time. Like, there, like there is not a compassionate bone in his body, which, we, duh, we know that. It's Frank Underwood. Right. He's only going to, you know, work with someone in a self-serving way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, I mean, there is, there is strength in being nice and compassionate and sympathetic and, and open. And, and I don't think Frank ever sees that. And, and, you know, he would argue maybe that, that there isn't strength in that. Um, but that could have maybe worked if he had remained genuine and not played that card uh, mm-hmm. at the end to try to get the Alzheimer's research funding for yeah. Blythe uh, to appease him and make him feel special again because of his wife's situation. Right. I agree. Um, I think that maybe I think there might have been a more savvy way to handle that. That um, maybe just by showing him sympathy, but not offering him the money necessarily, or at least not at that point in time. But just right, by being that. like a comforting person, uh, yeah. maybe Blythe would have been like, "Oh well, he really is, you know, genuinely feeling bad for me, and I, he really does need my vote, or something like that." But I think that when he offered the money, you know, is when Blythe immediately saw through the charade of it. Yeah, exactly. He saw right through it. <laughs> And so, yeah, you kind of see them go on this, um, you know, train, you know, train up and down, of course. And it's, um, I have to say that when this first happened, I almost wondered, and that maybe this is a testament to how like cunning Frank is that I even thought this was a possibility. I thought Frank maybe planted the letter with the talcum powder just so that way he would, Uh. Blythe, Blythe would be forced to spend time cloistered with him and maybe he would have more time to convince him. Man, so, if it was Frank, it would be like real anthrax, maybe though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he just keeps that on his in his house, right? Uh, um, but yeah, well, I mean, if, knowing Frank wouldn't put it past him to orchestrate me- something like that. Of course, in the meantime, a lot of other things are going on. Uh, yeah. Jackie is at uh, lunch or like at a restaurant with Remy, trying to sway the House Democrats to vote for the budget. Right, um, and we kind of see their different. Uh, negotiation styles at work like we were talking about before you know Jackie tries to be very pragmatic and be like this is what the benefit would be and we have to concede something in order to get something whereas Remy's like eat this really expensive caviar yeah yeah like I I think he even you know he says to Jackie at some point like because she goes kind of goes off the handle and says we we have to show the people we're capable of more than just stagnation who can I count on and she's kind of getting really worked up and it's not working so Remy pulls her aside and says, you know, you have to be more like, or, no, I think he says they won't agree with you because you're not Frank. And I think that he, me- what he meant by that is that she is too much trying to talk to their, 
core beliefs. She's trying to talk to their beliefs instead of talk, you know, give them what they what want, they want in exchange for something. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't bargain with them. She just tries to yeah uh, uh, implore them based on like you said their core values and who they represent and as human beings. But that doesn't work with these politicians. Well, and I mean that's just another testament to kind of excuse me the how difference. the show continually continually paints. You know, it's such a bleak picture of politics that this, you know, yeah. you can't talk to somebody's core beliefs. You have to give them something in order to give it something back to you. Yeah. And I love that line that when they're outside the, um, I think the restaurant afterward, and she's like, ask, Jackie is asking them what they want. And we think like, oh, okay, she's going to finally go the Frank way and yeah. give them what she wants. And the guy's like, well, I need a water treatment plan or something like that. And he's like, when you need a wine museum, don't you? And he's like, yeah, we have great wine. And she says something like, yeah, you have wine that tastes like piss that actually belongs in Fred's waste treatment plant or something like that. And my caucus people are rewarded for their good behavior. And she basically, like, intimidates them. She drops hammers on them. That was so tight. mm -hmm. That was badass. And, I mean, in some ways it's – Frank works, like, behind the scenes a lot in manipulating people and stuff. But it's almost more intense what Jackie's doing here with, like – yeah, she goes straight up to them. Your wine tastes like piss. You're not, you guys, you're not getting any of this. Do your job. Exactly. And I thought that was pretty hardcore. That made me that was, really yeah. like Jackie after that scene. Me too. Me too. Yeah, she's 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 cool. She's definitely a heavy hitter there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, Frank and Blythe eventually get out of there, and they find out it was just talcum powder. It wasn't actual anthrax or anything. Um, and. Basically, we find Frank doesn't hadn't made any headway. Uh, his all his strategies kind of fail him, Blythe, which is very unusual for that to happen. Um, and for once, you know, he doesn't get his way. And, and you know, kudos again to Blythe for being able to spend that Hold much time ground. in a room with Frank and not be manipulated. Right. Uh, but then Jackie shows up with just boxes and boxes of papers to represent, you know, who is going to lose funding and what jobs are going to be lost and what student loans are going to be lost and who's going to go on furlough and all this stuff. And what she basically does is she appeals to Blythe's human element. The, what, you know, what ends up working for her is what doesn't work for Frank, but you know, is she doesn't come in there and try to like say, what do you want that I can give you? She actually is trying to appeal to his moral compass and right. it works. You know, yep. he says, he says that I can't vote for it, but basically I can she talks him into my- uh, my caucus vote for it, though. Exactly. And so I think that that's going to definitely endear her to Frank somewhat when she kind of finally gets that victory that he can't. And I think that it's that almost kind of yeah. it's almost kind of terrifying that they have such... Now that they kind of have both styles, they can kind of manhandle anybody. Tackle from both sides. They can get anyone to do anything. It was but, pretty cool, though. I, I liked that. Like, and exactly like you said, how, you know... Jackie succeeded where Frank couldn't because she has this tool in her kit. I keep saying tools and kits, but like this that that Frank doesn't know how to use or isn't good at using or just you know doesn't have at all where she has it and she can call people immediately on their bullshit where Frank will be like, you know, be nice to them and you know, two-faced but but definitely get them what they want because he knows it ultimately helps him get what he wants. She'll just go straight up to him and be like you know, like we said, do your job. This is what you're here for. You're the people you represent. These are the names of the people that are going to go, that are going to be affected by a shutdown if it happens. Mm-hmm. And it works. And it does work for them right now. Um, but you can't help but wonder that two people with such fundamentally different different styles are going to eventually yeah. butt heads. It's and funny, so. too, because Jackie's like seems to be genuinely a better person, obviously. She's not going around pushing people into trains. 
But but when, if you met both of them, like Frank would be the one that would charm the socks off of you. You know, you'd be like, "Wow, this guy's amazing. I love him." And Jackie, you'd be like, if she if she was like tough, uh, like she is with uh, these people, her the, her uh, um, fellow Democrats, I'd be like, "Oh man, she's scary. I don't want to." She's a little know, bit cold, and yeah, yeah. Kind of. She's she's I'm not, I'm not messing with her, but Frank, I want to go get a drink with. Exactly. I mean, and that. Just, and yeah, Frank it, is the evil guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he puts on such a facade, you know. It's all about yeah. what's going oh, on with the the cocks turning so in the background. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so before we go on to the Claire storyline, let's talk real quickly about this Lucas thing. And I only have a few quick notes here because really, yeah, poor, poor Lucas is just falling into the rabbit hole like He's super just deep, man. Lost, yeah. So the hacker, who I think his name is Gavin, um, basically tells Lucas that he needs to get into some kind of server building. It sounds like some kind of national security building, basically, right? Yeah. And he needs to fake a story on cyber terrorism and somehow place a chip into a caged server. And he's trying to act like that's no big deal. Like he's just going to be able to find himself in this server where he can plug this chip in. Yeah. Um. So already sounds like super dangerous, super easy to get into trouble here. Uh, Lucas doesn't seem so sure about it, but then Gavin smacks him in the face, <laughs> tries to smack some sense into him, and convinces him. Uh, I also liked that how we had uh, a little bit of hacker's guinea pig cashew. Yeah, yeah, that that's creepy and weird, a little caricature-ish, but I liked it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to remind him that he's never more than one move from living in a cage. Yep. Um, he's kind of an entertaining dude, and of course we find yeah. out that he really is very close to living in a cage because he's under the thumb of the right. Secret Service He'll or the FBI the or whatever. And yeah, and they're basically using him to screw over, you know, find him for to uh, and Lucas. Entrap, and, uh, Lucas, yeah. Which we kind of saw coming. Um, so yeah. Lucas so is do you going to get trapped. I'm guessing that they're just going to like be waiting to catch him in the act of doing something super criminal, i.e., you know, breaking into one of these server cages and trying to plug some chip into a server. Um, and they're just going to be hovering and descend on him, and he's going to get, you know, go to jail for forever. We'll see. We will see. But that's my. That's where I feel like it's going because I don't see a whole lot of positive happening for Lucas. Let's just. He hasn't given me a lot to be confident in. Yeah, he's digging his own grave right now. Exactly. Okay, so to me, I want to, um, I find this to be the most compelling storyline of yes. the episode, um, which is the Claire storyline. Of course, you know she ends up doing the interview without Frank, and right. you know they are. We see her again practicing the parenting question with Connor because it's funny that he knows that this is going to be such a major talking point, considering Frank just became. Vice president, and it, like he's under quarantine. It seems like there's a lot of other things that they could discuss for this to be such a major question. But maybe he just has a feeling that this is something that is very uncomfortable for Claire, uh, or maybe somehow he caught wind of that's you know they were going to try to hit her hard on this. Right. Re- regardless, you know they go through what it seems to be Claire's kind of cliched, you know, line or answer she uses here about how you know her and Frank just decided they didn't have the time. To they couldn't be in service of others while also you know being full parents, so they decided to be parents to the country instead of being parents to a child, basically. Which is kind of it is a very politician y answer, excuse me. 
And so we see her go on. And, of course, during this whole time, Frank is watching the interview on TV. Right. Um, and we start with questions about Claire's childhood. Uh, you know, f- a photo of her at her parents' ranch. And um, you kind of get the gist from the very beginning that this is going to be... I mean, try, this interview is trying to go deeper places than maybe Claire typically goes. Right, Because yeah, they have her. Is, yeah. Um, you know, they're asking questions about her parents' money. Yeah, um, they're calling her a little rich girl, even though she's trying to play herself like she's this ranch hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire plays it well, though. She does. Uh, I think I don't remember what question it was. I, was this about Frank, the one where she says, "You know, he made the world a better place, but sometimes that comes at a price." Um, I don't remember who specifically she was talking about there, but it kind of universally applies to, I mean, Claire and Frank, and how, you know. Although I don't know how much they're really trying to make the world a better place, as much as they're trying to advance their own self-interest, but it certainly comes at a price. Uh, anyway. So, you know, they get, she gets asked about how calculated their marriage is, which is something that you and I have talked about before. So it's interesting yeah. they bring this up about how their marriage seems less emotional and more like... Partner, uh, political partnership. Yeah, like a team. Um, and then they talk about why she calls him Francis, which is something that I think we've mentioned yeah. before, too. And we kind of get some insight on their relationship, which I think is kind of neat. But, of course, mm-hmm. it, it totally makes sense for Frank that it makes him feel more sophisticated when she calls him Francis. It's, totally. It, I mean, that's her pet name for him, too. So That's like, like, call me Christopher instead right. of Chris. And watching kind of Frank watch this interview, I feel like adds adds more depth and dimension to their relationship, which is really a, a really fascinating, cool relationship. Right, right. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Yeah, you see him, you, you know, we, we're with him as he reacts to her interview, which is very fascinating to see what he's, you know, what he, what, how, he, what, what's he, how he's reacting to certain things that she says. Right. And finally, the child question comes up. Mm-hmm. And the reporter is trying to, you know, Claire gives a regular answer, and the reporter doesn't have that. She wants to push deeper. And um, she brings up that a Republican once claimed that Claire was pregnant during a campaign and that Claire had an abortion, an which abortion. we know that Claire had three, three abortions. Two were as a teenager. One was during the campaign because her and Frank were going to have a baby and changed their mind. Yep. And she knows that it will spell political – it will cause some major political backlash if they, she admits that she had three they just had an abortion. Well, particularly they all. had an abortion during a campaign just because it would be inconvenient, I think. And so yes. I did not oh, – yeah. to- I totally did not see this twist coming. I didn't either. That when, you know, when Claire goes back on camera, she reveals – the rape with McGinnis, which I think flabbergasted Connor and it flabbergasted the reporter. And I, I, Frank was hard to read on this. I, what, what do you, what do you think Frank was thinking? And I'm trying to picture point? what his face looked like, but he, at first he was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, what, 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 what is she saying? But also he trusts her. So it may have been a, like, a, okay, where's she going with this? How's she playing this? Well, and you got to think that he knew what she was trying to do by steering yeah. around the campaign abortion, right? And so maybe he he was, uh, yeah, on on same page as her with that, right? Um, and of course, not only does Claire say she was raped, she reveals who it was, 
And it's a major, like, four-star general that Frank had a pin on. It's this major, or General Dalton McGinnis um, on national TV, which is, like, a pretty crazy huge. huge. Yeah. And I was thinking at this point, like, oh, shit. If I mean, when it's that long ago, that guy could easily sue her for defamation or, like, you know, this could be, this is, like, has tabloid written all over it, kind of. Oh, yeah. Um, but imagine if Joe Biden did this, right? Right, exactly. And to Robin Wright's credit, I mean, I thought this whole scene was extremely well acted to the point where she's reminiscing about her childhood to when you can kind of see the wheels turning in her head to like whether or not she should reveal this really personal fact. And I like that they didn't make her like totally crack about it and like start crying and stuff like that. She kind of spoke about it. You know, she talked before how that was kind of like it was a different person who that happened to, and it was yeah. almost the way she talked about it even now is kind of like with a distance from it. You know, right? Very right. stone faced. Yeah. I to add to what you said about Robin Wright, um, she this is probably one of like maybe three scenes I think in the whole uh, uh, season that she should definitely submit to the Emmys. Like there's she she has got to, obviously they. They they wanted they did what we wanted with the season and she's in it a lot more obviously like we're talking about this episode she's in the forefront she's the main player um, and like you said she's just masterful actor uh, in this whole sequence and it's one of a few more to come um, that just no no spoilers here but just teasing how much more time we get to spend with her and what and her the repercussions of all this but yeah she good job Robin mm-hmm. I thought she was she is fantastic. Um, but, I mean, she's really fortunate that at the same time, like, they get another, basically another person on the phone who has been sexually assaulted by the general to corroborate her story. And right. um, suddenly lends legitimacy to what could have just seemed like a, a wild claim, kind of. Yeah. Claim, yeah. And Claire has to kind of convince her to tell her story. And we find out it's a young Marine. And it wasn't that long ago um, that she was assaulted by the general. And... Uh, I mean, it's even more awkward. We see the general watching, um, and he looks obviously very dismayed. And then, of course, his wife's on the phone. So we know hell's about to break loose for this dude. Right. Uh, And, I mean, I couldn't help but wondering, like, are we going to see this? Is this going to be pissed and show up again, or is he going to end up in jail? It'll be interesting to see. Um I'm not sure whether we're going to see more of that or if that kind of served its purpose now. Because I was wondering what they were, the point of that bringing up the rape was a few episodes ago when they weren't going to do anything right. about it. One thing I do want to say is there was an article in Entertainment Weekly, I think last week, that was talking about, in general, in different shows, the um, the function of having a female character have having been like raped in her background and how it's a tool It's a little bit cliched to show like why a woman is strong now or like emotionally distant or you know what i mean right um, and i think they use a couple different examples they use someone from like downton abbey or something like i was that. gonna I say mean, downton abbey that i mean this isn't a spoiler it's been out for a year now but yeah that w- one of the like the sweetest nicest characters has that happened to her and i remember texting with gina about it when it happened i was like what is going on? what are they doing to this like character why are they making her go through this but Ultimately, it worked out all right for the storyline, the way it happens. But what what was the article saying? So the article was basically lamenting the fact that rape has to be used as a device to show why a woman, a female character, is like 
is distant. cold or manipulative or distant or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead of like, it was saying, you know, obviously Robin Wright's fantastic and the House of Cards writers are great and they do great things, but why couldn't we just enjoy Claire as being the equivalent of her husband without any without having you know, some formative traumatic stuff. experience in her background? Exactly. Yeah. That's a very good point. I think it is an excellent, excellent point, and I wish that was the case, but I do feel like they kind of set it up for something like this a little bit last season when we were talking about when Claire went um, and left Frank for a while to go hang out with the photographer, um, and he was talking about how, like, you know, capturing what she used to be and stuff like that and how she was different as a younger person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think Claire talks about how, like, she wasn't always this way and stuff like that. So they did kind of hint that, like, she had something happen to her that kind of fundamentally changed her. And we didn't really know what it was last season. So, I, I mean, it's not like it was out of nowhere to explain it. But I do wish that overall throughout the entire run of the show that it wasn't – there was no thing that was making Claire, you know, cold or callous or, or tough or a badass That's or anything like that. Was. That it was just, like – she was just a cool, cunning person just like Frank. So I think it was an interesting point um, that definitely made me think twice about mm, kind hey, of that. Send me a link story. to that. I want to read that. I will. I will. Maybe I'll even post it on our Facebook page. Yeah. But um, I do. But I mean, I, that doesn't discredit at all this scene here because I think it was really fantastically done, and it was a huge twist because I didn't see, I didn't foresee that being brought up when they were discussing the children question. Um, even right. at the very beginning of this episode. So I, I thought that was really, really coolly done. Of course, Frank is now, by the end of the interview, he's out of quarantine, and he shows back up at the house. And uh, him and Claire don't even outright talk to each other when he sees her. No hug. They just kind of give each other a nod. And he just kind of gives her that nod of approval, that very subtle, subtle but also very powerful kind of connection they have. Um, and we kind of end the episode with um, we find out that the vote I think the vote passed so we know that the budget deal passed and the government isn't going to shut down um, Frank and Claire sharing an e-cigarette by the window and of course Frank has a real cigarette heading under the lamp and I was kind of thinking here I almost feel like for Frank and Claire who we've never seen have sex before it's almost like smoking by the window is like their version of sex you know what I mean <laughs> that's funny it's, I mean, it's how they connect as a couple and like thinking about what the kind of questions that they were getting. I don't think that their marriage is a sham marriage yeah. or anything like that. I mean, they sincerely care about each other. And I almost, I mean, they've got a more real relationship than, I mean, a lot of other characters we see on shows, you know? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, they're, uh, we haven't seen them smoke yet in a while actually i don't think by the window um well because they so, give up cigarettes yeah <laughs> right yeah so now it's kind of it, it is it is where they share some of their more intimate moments or where they reflect maybe more, more internally they don't always talk about uh details of certain things that have happened but this is a clear example of a time that something big happened but for for both of them meeting claire's uh interview and they're just sharing a moment there with each other. I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's, I don't, I mean, I understand what you say when you think it's like their, their sex, but it doesn't seem sexual, but it is intimate. I, and I mean, I don't mean sex in the same sense that like, it's sexy that they do that, but I just mean like, it's their version of sex in the way that it's like, it's how they connect. I think it's how they like connect to each other. 
mm-hmm. on an emotional level, kind of, as far as they can connect on anything emotionally. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Um, I don't know. It was just an idea that came into my head. And the episode ends with Claire saying to, to Frank, you know, tell me something, Francis, anything. And he sings the song. And I was wondering what, how you interpreted this kind of end of this, sh- end of this episode. Well, I thought it was a little weird <laughs> that she wanted him to sing. I haven't seen that yet, but then I remembered he was in that choir or that little barbershop quartet or right, that, right. whatever group they were called. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I looked up what song it was just so I could know a little more about it. And it's, an, it's a murder ballad. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Um, but I don't know. It was just, it was them. It was, I, I, you know, it's hard to tell. I it, I don't think guards were let down, really, but it was just them sharing a moment together. It was kind of weird, too, because I felt like when she said that to him, like, did she ask him specifically to sing, or did she just say, tell me something? I wrote down, she said, tell me something, anything. And I was like, is she asking for him to reveal, like, a a detail about how he's feeling? What were you going to say? I I thought she asked him to sing, but maybe not. Does she ask him to sing? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe she does ask him to sing because that would make more sense to me. Because I felt like she said, like I, I heard like tell me something, and then he sings a song, and I was like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. But that would, <laughs> that would make more sense if she asks him to sing. Then that's like if you're watching um, New Girl and you asked uh, Jess, "Do you watch that show?" Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> or you or you watch Glee, and you're like, "Hey, tell me something," and then they would start singing. You're like, "No, I said tell me something." <laughs> yeah. Stop singing. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's it. I don't know. That was It was an interesting end of the episode. I'm not sure what exactly it was supposed to convey. Maybe it was just, again, supposed to kind of highlight the intimacy of the moment. Because the, they say that when you're singing, you kind of let your guard down as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, and so yeah. maybe that's symbolic of, of them kind of, after that really difficult interview, kind of connecting on that fundamental emotional level. So Regardless, I, I thought, hell of an episode. Yeah, hit me. Yeah. Question number one for you. Okay. Who do you think is going to step in to challenge Frank now? I th- Well, he still has Tuss to deal with. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's going to come back. And I really think that him and Jackie have such a fundamentally different worldview that that is going to have to come to a head at some point. I'm curious to see how that's going to happen. Uh, now with Claire's announcement, how do you think that's going to play out for Frank and the general or just Frank in general, uh, Frank, Frank and the general or Frank in general as the (laughs) vice president? (laughs) Well, I'm curious to see whether or not the general is going to try to come out and publicly deny everything and have some reasoning for it. And if it's going to become a big media spectacle that Frank is going to get asked about it in front of cameras and stuff like that. Or if it's going to be like a whole bunch of women come out and the general is screwed over and it's going to make Frank and Claire look very sympathetic. I'm not really sure which way it's going to go, but I'm curious to see because I could see it going either way. I don't think that the general in the long term is going to be like an opponent of them. I don't, I think, I don't know. I just feel like that accusation is too strong for it to be something that he's right. able to And that girl called in, so there's clearly other people, so it's not like he's going to have... I mean, really, I don't think he's got a leg to stand on if more exactly. girls are automatically calling in. I'm sure there's more after that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think Claire is going to use this to her advantage? 
I know she. I know it kind of works for her as, uh, or for her in her partnership, because it makes them look sympathetic but also strong. Mm-hmm. Do you think I mean, she's gonna I use don't know. I think that she used it in a moment of desperation because she knew. I don't think it was any big emotional reveal for her whatsoever. You know, it was something that she needed to do to get this attention distracted from her abortion she had during the campaign. And so I don't think that it's something that she's going to like, she's like coming to terms with now is going to want to talk about it all the time. I think that it's a matter of business and now it's dismissed and it didn't happen to another person, not her. And now it's back to business as usual. Do you think there's any sexual chemistry between Claire and any of the staff? Uh, I think there's staff connection between her and that Connor guy. I think, <coughs> excuse me, the way he's kind of in, you know, watching her, like helping her pick out her clothes and stuff like that. You can't help but feel like so there's, there's potential. There. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. We'll find out. Um, and then, okay. And question about Jackie. Do you think Jackie's going to, how's, how's this partnership going to work with, um, What's his face? Frank? No. Life? No. Uh, crap. The guy that used to work Oh, R- Remy. Remy. Remy, thank you. I mean, maybe what will end up happening is her and Re- or Remy, like, her and Remy gang up on Frank, which I can see is another possibility. Because right. Remy's kind of under Tusk's thumb, too, because they could have, mm-hmm. they can end up making kind of a coalition against Frank if they're able to persuade Jackie that Frank is doing something, you know, against her fundamental beliefs. Right, right. And Jackie seems to be gaining the respect of people in her party and in the House. So that says something, too. She's a very different kind of whip than Frank, but she, yeah. she like, literally cracks the whip, whereas Frank yeah. kind of slowly wraps it around your throat. Frank, yeah, Frank, yeah, while, his, while he's putting his arm around you and butting up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's all my questions. Yeah, no, I thought there was a lot of great stuff to talk about, and I thought this was a really excellent episode. Um. I can't give it a. F- I th- did I get? I already gave an episode like a. Did I give an episode of five this season already? I think I did. No, I think you um, gave. A, I think the highest we both given is four and a half. And while this episode was super good, I don't know if it's still that highest five. I loved everything Robin Wright did, and I don't have anything really bad to say about it. I just feel like there was not enough action in every form of the plot. Maybe what I'll just do is trash Lucas's plot line because I think it's dumb. I think <laughs> That's the easiest one to throw under the bus for a, 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 a few points lower than usual. Exactly. So I think I'm still going to give it a 4.5 because, I mean, the Claire storyline was full of twists and spectacular. I liked Frank uh, struggling in all his different ways to manipulate someone and not, having, not doing it and then seeing, you know, Jackie come at it from a different angle. I really enjoyed kind of the... Um, way that they kind of were placed against each other there. Uh, but the Lucas storyline with the hacker stupid. He just yeah. needs to go to jail already. <laughs> right. That's the, that's a problem with Lucas, like him as an underdog right now, trying to take on this big thing. I mean, he is just written right now to be such a little like pushover. Like he, or he'll, he's going to get steamrolled immediately. If the it way just it doesn't seems. feel even a little bit believable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's not competent enough. And so I don't feel like I'm invested in him trying to take down, uh, Frank and any, any big wig because I, the way he's acting, it's like, well, of course he's not going to be able to do that. Exactly. Unless something happens. Unless Janine comes back and like says, dude, what are you doing? This is how here's you're the right way to do it. Yeah. yeah. God. 
So I would give it a four and a quarter. But I, I, did, I, I do want to stress that I really liked this episode. Claire was great. And I love the idea of quarantine and forcing two people to deal with their issues with each other. Right. I mean, that's still a very solid score. I mean, all this episode, uh, this whole season so far has been... Pretty great. Uh, pretty great top-notch, I think. I mean, it seems like there's more like big, exciting things happening every episode, whereas last episode or season, there were plenty of those, but there was also episodes that was just a lot of exposition, kind of getting to the next thing. But this season, it feels like something big is happening every episode, which I enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a solid, I think, uh, you four... 8.75 is that right 8.75 yep. so, so not so, so B+. yeah so uh, like That's I said good. can't wait to see what happens next and I'm excited to do a double episode next time and we can um, we'll really get moving then so uh, until then everybody once again uh, please check us out on Facebook this House of Cards podcast and of course on iTunes um, Chris where can people uh, follow more of you in the meantime I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K Tyler, are you on both of those? Indeed I am. You can find me at TJMoss11, folks. Once again, thanks for joining us, and uh, see you next time. I don't want